So the first thing uh, I want to say is hello, everybody. God bless you. You look all beautiful. It's so nice to see you um, from this end. And, and your smiling face is encouraged by heart. Thank you. Um, tonight is, uh, we have one more, one more study. And we've been blessed. And uh, tonight I hope and pray that already we have been blessed and that we will continue to be. That God has much to say to us. And listening to these girls and the songs that were sung, I thought, wow, Lord, you really put this together. <laughs> and I should be surprised. No, not at all. He does put things together. So the first thing that I, I want to um, go through before I pray is, is the books. Um, we have two books that are titled Love. And tonight we will be talking somewhat about love. Um, the most probably the most important thing that we can talk about as far as the kingdom of God and as far as who our God is. So the first one is No Greater Love, and it's experiencing the heart of Jesus through the Gospel of John. It is written by A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer is an old guy, one of those guys that has already passed on. He was born in 1897, died in 1963, and he's a classic. He has written um, so many books and many that have been foundational to the, to the church throughout the last century and certainly into now, such as The Pursuit of God, The Attributes of God. And um, this is a masterpiece. And it's one of his last um, books. And basically what it is is it's sermons on this book of John uh, that he he did at his um, at his church, and this man that really loved him and has studied him extensively, James Schneider, compiled all these sermons and made up this book. And this book is um, an incredible book. It's so it's deep. It's um, the breath of love and what this uh, what God has taught this older saint about um, love is to be read and cherished. And it's funny that Joyce had been saying that the book that she was reviewing would make a good devotional. And that's exactly what I was going to say, and she stole that from me. This is perfect for a devotional. As a matter of fact, that's really the only way to read it. It's not one of those you sit and you read through the whole thing and you're done. It's um, the, the chapters are usually less than eight pages, and they're chock full of thoughtful um, insights that was given to this man. So we highly recommend it. Again, it's optional. You don't have to buy it, but it's a good buy. And as Dee would say, there's a lot. <laughs> you can use that 30% thing off because it's for sale in the bookstore. I'm not sure how much it is, but I'm sure it's a good price. Then the other book we have is from our beloved Chuck Smith. It's called Love, The More Excellent Way. And uh, the excerpts are on both of these books are in your brochure on pages 9 and 10. And Chuck, as you know, is the one that God used, along with his wife, to begin the work, this amazing work called Calvary Chapel. And um, actually, Kathy and Joe were discipled by him. And if anybody could write on a book of love, it's this, this man. Uh, he exudes it. And, um, and he, he's an excellent writer. Um, and he touches on the heart of Jesus Christ. 
And uh, he's, he's the kind of man that lived out what this book says. And uh, he's a man of grace, and he knows about dispensing grace to the saints, to the people. He, he, um, I know Joe always says that he always said he wanted to err on the side of grace, and that's the side of love. And so these two books are, if you're interested, and I'm sure you probably are, in growing in the love of our God, these two books are great resources. So now let me pray. Father, you are so good. We bow our heads and our hearts and our whole being before you because you alone are God. There's no one like you. And Jesus, we ask you that you would be here with us tonight, that you would encourage, Lord, each one of the hearts of each woman that's here because you look on us as individuals and you relate, relate to us as individuals. And you saved us as individuals, and you made us your daughters, and we thank you for that. So we ask you that you would open our ears to hear, open our hearts to receive from you, and fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit, that we might see more of you, desire more of you, and just want to get to know you better and better. Lord, you are the focus of all. And we give you our attention tonight. I pray that you would bless my sisters here for coming out and uh, that they would be sent away having been fed by the Good Shepherd. I thank you, Jesus, for who you are and um, that you, in your kindness, came down to teach us of your ways and to die in our place when we could not, just like all the songs we sang tonight. So come, Lord Jesus and be with us, walk amongst us, and speak to us, in Jesus' name. <clears throat> okay, so, we have the book of Jude. The book of Jude, we're not going to go over the whole book, although it's only one chapter. It's uh, probably the shortest book, well, not, yeah, it is the shortest book in the Bible. Um, and it's... Uh, but before we even get into it, and this is sort of actually what was said before, that there's a, there's a framework I want you to sort of uh, work out of and really understand tonight. And that framework is that we, when we gave our lives to Jesus, we became born again. And we also became citizens of another kingdom the kingdom of God, and in some places in the Bible it's called the kingdom of heaven, with King Jesus as the one and only. We belong to a monarchy, and we have the best king there is. And as his daughters, we are to spend the rest of our lives learning how to live our lives here on earth after the ways of his kingdom, a kingdom that's built on love, truth, mercy, and grace. It is not what goes on in the world where we came from. It's a completely different place. And the more we get the, the understanding that that is who we are, we're the daughters of the king, we belong to a kingdom that is not of this world. Our citizenship is not here. It's in heaven. It begins to place us in the place where God has put us. 
and it makes us in a teachable place. So just consider that. That's where we are, and that's where we always want to move from. That's what we want to grow in. And now we turn to Jude. And uh, just a couple of comments about this book of Jude. Jude was the brother of Jesus. He's the younger brother, half-brother. And his older brother was not just Jesus first, but then there was James. And James was the head of the church in Jerusalem. So he's, Jude was in a pretty um, important, had some important people in his life. But what I like about him, and I can say the same thing about James, as James' book begins the same way that Jude does, and they introduce themselves not as the brother of Jesus the Messiah, and capitalize on that, but instead as the bondservants of Jesus Christ. And for Jude, he says, and the brother of James. That says a lot about this person. Jude was a humble man, and so was James, or they would have been bragging about their birthplace. Um, And it, it makes me think that probably... Um, they learned that in the house they grew up in as they watched their older brother because that's who Jesus is. When he self-discloses, he says that he is meek and humble of heart and that he will give us rest for our soul. Those are two things that he tells us about himself. Now, if somebody else said, I'm humble, it would probably be with pride. But that's not with Jesus. He could say that he is humble of heart. And that humbleness of heart is what makes us want to come to him and what drew everybody. There was something so sweet and endearing and something, even though he spoke such strong truth, that said, come, I want to come. And he invites us. So that's, that's the humility of that household. And it began, of course, with Jesus. In my Bible, and my Bible is the Nelson Study Bible, and that's what it is tonight anyway, um, I wanted to read, because this gives a, actually a really good synopsis of the book of Jude before we get into that whole section that we were to study. And it says here, This small epistle strikes the imagination with its vivid picture of false teachers. The writer commands our attention with his appeal for defending the faith and growing in grace. The primary focus of the book is is on the faith, the believers, and God, not on the errors and character of the heretics. It is notable that with all of the blunt descriptions of the false teachers, Jude gives us neither a command to confront these troublemakers only to avoid them, nor a plan of disciplinary action. He simply indicates that they are under the condemnation of God. And that's basically what the book of Jude is about. In the beginning, when, um, when Jude wanted to write the book, he actually, as you read the different commentaries, he actually really wanted to write something very uplifting. And then it happened that at that time, there was beginning to be these people, these false teachers that were coming into the churches um, and in very slithering kind of ways, uh, very incognito, with false teachings teachings that were to lead the people away. 
And um, this was a really dangerous problem then, and it has been that way all the way through the history of the church. So Jude felt that he needed to address that. And so that's what the backdrop of this book is. Um, so the, the scriptures that that I'm going to begin with, is it's uh, verse 16, because remember, it's only one chapter, verse 16, and I want to read the section that um, we have in our brochure that talks about not only the problem, but then what Jude has to say about how we are to walk concerning this particular problem. So let me read 16. You can follow along if you want, or you can just listen, whatever... Uh, suits you. <laughs> these are grumblers. These are the, the false teachers, and these are some of the names that they have for that he gives for them. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time. Now, circle that, because that means that it's even more so for us now, because we are in the last times. We don't know where we are in the last times. We have some ideas, but we don't know for sure. But we are closer to the end than any other group of believers have ever been before. And we know some things are cooking up. So the last times, that means this is for us particularly. And it's not just us here in this room, it's across the globe, all the believers. I, I think you probably knew that. <laughs> it wasn't just for us in the room. Um, okay, so in the last times, who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts? These are sensual persons who cause division, not having the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourself up on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in the love of God, looking, there's our word, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with, with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments defiled by the flesh. And then the last part, down to 25, is one of the most wonderful doxologies in the Bible. It's beautiful. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, me from stumbling, all of us from stumbling. And to the present, your, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. So all of this stuff that we'll be talking about and that, that Jude is instructing us to do, remember, it's done with the power of the Holy Spirit, with our God, who is able to keep us from stumbling. Um, that's our, our hope, is that he does do that. He shepherds. We spent a whole year last year studying Psalm 23 the, about the great good shepherd and how he shepherds us, and how he keeps us, and pulls us from some strange little fields where we might be eating, and pulls us back in, goes after the one that gets lost out of the 99. And uh, this is our God. 
This is our God. So, so the problem is that there were some very dangerous philosophies being introduced into the church by some false teachers. These were folks that were called fault finders, grumblers, complainers, proud mockers, divisive people, people who are bent on creating disunity amongst believers, peddling corruption of the grace of God in relation to sinful sexual practices. Uh, We could put that right in here as it was put back there. Um, This is is the kind of deception that's been coming into the church all along, but we need to be aware of it. And that's what Jude is, is stressing in here. Be aware, be aware. But then he tells us how to be aware. So these are most likely these folks uh, have not humbled themselves before God and accepted his gifts of salvation through the love of Christ. They're basically the tares. You know the, that parable about the tares and the wheat in, in uh, Matthew 13 and how the tares, which are not real believers, can be amongst us. Um, that's who they are. And they... Maybe, and and they also, some of these may be those that have been seduced, that are true believers and infected by these false teachers. But the false teachers are not, we're not believers. And no matter what, Jude wants the church to be aware of this dangerous problem. So he gives to the recipients of this letter and to us the kingdom way of dealing with it, the godly way for us to respond to this problem. And it's, it's really um, fitting for now because it's so easy in this, the climate of what's going on in our country to link it, um, that, that, that we, it's very much the same as back then, that the godly way for us to deal with all the contentions that may be in the world this group pitted against that group, this philosophy against that one, all the division and the strife and the things that just get under under our skin and, and try to get into our spirit, as well as in the church. And the heart of Jesus, and um, I'm here to, to say this real strongly, the heart of Jesus is that we be one. He prayed that prayer. He prayed the prayer that we would be one as he and his father were one. And the only way we can be one as believers, as um, I'm not saying we, we, to be one with the world, that we are separate, but as believers is that we center, put Jesus in the center, him and his ways. That's why I say this whole thing about the kingdom, it's different. It's different than the way the world's economy and the world's um, ways. And, and yet, we are very much aware that we have this flesh and our ways of looking at things. And, and, um, and so this is very current, actually, for what Jude has to say to us tonight. So Jude does not tell us to attack these mocking dividers and return evil for evil by fighting with them or to study the false doctrines that they are disseminating so that we have a good argument 
Not that we shouldn't study, we should. But instead, to make our focus, our focus to grow and to be built up in the faith and to continually allow God to work on us, to change us into the image of his dear son. That's what he's after. And to respond the way Jesus taught the apostles to be to respond in love, truth, mercy, and in the spirit, not the flesh. So um, I also have to say one thing. All those that are described in very um, not such great terms, the fault finders, the complainers, all that, it's and they're amongst us, don't get into, well, I wonder if it's that one over there. I wonder if she's one that isn't like that. That's not what Jude is doing. It doesn't mean to put suspicion so that we begin to look at each other with strange eyes, thinking that, I don't think she's really a believer because I see this, this, and that. That's not your job. It's not my job. That's God's job. And, and he does it much better than us, much better because he has the heart of love, and we don't always have that. So I, I just wanted to put that in so that you're not doing that, okay? All right, so Jude does not tell us to attack them, just like we said. Instead, he tells us to respond like his older brother, in love, truth, mercy, and in the spirit, not the flesh. It's a lifelong lesson. It's a lifelong learning. It's a lifelong giving yourself to getting to know Jesus and allowing him to put the finger on things in your life and to be honest and to be able to admit it and say, "Mm -hmm, that's me. I need you to change that. I need you to do heart surgery on me. So let's talk about these four things. In, um, In verses 20 and 21... Here they are. And this is how Jude wants us to walk in this. And in 20 it says, But you, beloved, building yourself up on the most holy faith. That's one thing. Very important. We'll talk about it in a few minutes. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Another really important one. Keeping yourself in the love of God. And then looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ under eternal life. Four things, four ways in which to respond that we might grow. And so let's talk about the first one. The first one is building, build yourself up in the most holy faith. Our best defense against lies propagated by the false doctrines of some is to know the truth, which is God's word. Read it, read it some more, and keep reading it. And if you're not a reader, listen to it. There's so many ways to listen to the Bible now. We can listen to it on our phone. We can listen to it on our computer. We can buy CDs of the whole Bible being read to us. We can even, as advertised on TV, get one of these little things. It's called the Wonder Bible. And it's um, the entire Bible is read by, I happen to have... a a man, I don't know how you can program it. I ended up with a man, and I don't how to know how to uh, get rid of him and have, have a woman or something to read. So uh, maybe you can figure that out. But this is the whole Bible, and it doesn't wear out the battery on your phone. 
So we want to get, the, the idea is we want to get the word in us. Because the more we study, the more we are around other believers talking about the word, the more we're involved in Bible studies, and the more we sit under the word, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, we're going to get that word in us. And pray that you want it. Pray that you want to love his word. You want it to make sense to you every time before you open the Bible or you turn on your uh, cassette or your, your phone or whatever it is. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to open it up to you. And he does. He does. And he can create more and more of a thirst for it. And um, that is our greatest defense. So uh, the Bible is God's word to us. And it explains to us how this kingdom works. And uh, there's always going to be a lot of attacks about, oh, it's not really the word of God. Oh, it wasn't written by this one. Or it was, we're finding these manuscripts for that. There's all, it's nothing new. It's all enemy generated to try to discredit this, this book that was given by God. Use people to write it, but it was God breathed and it's alive. And it's different from every other book. <clears throat> and for those that wouldn't think that, oh, how can a book last that long and really be from God or anything like that? Well, God made the whole universe, right? And he's been able to pull that off, which is incredible. I don't think it's a big task for him to be able to watch over a book for us because he wants us to know it. So be assured, this is the Bible. It's the book that God has given to us to teach us of his ways. So we want to get it in us. And then we can watch it work. For example, say we come across one of these mockers, one of these people that just puts down everything about Christianity. Um, and that can really intimidate you, and it can really get into your spirit. And you can probably want to respond in some uh, either run from it or really want to fight the person and give the person a piece of your mind. And then the word of God in the back comes and says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So you have that, and they're like, oh, that I can't, I shouldn't go that way. And so that's just an example of how you get enough of the word of God in you for every situation he's there to be able to speak to you and to turn you from responding in what is called the flesh to responding in the spirit. And his ways are the best ways. And that's the spirit. <clears throat> so get the word of God in you. <coughs> Excuse me. And then the next one is pray in the Holy Spirit. Um, it says in scripture that Jesus makes intercession for us before the Father. So he's praying all the time for us, for us as individuals. Um, I want to I wanna hear those prayers. I want to be part of those prayers. I want to pray the heart of God. And the only way that's going to happen is by the Holy Spirit doing that in me. And the only way that's going to happen is if I open up to God and say, Lord, I want to pray your prayers. I want to have your perspective of life. I want to see things the way you see things, and I want to pray that way. Ask him those kinds of things, and he answers those. Those are the kind of prayers he doesn't turn down. 
He will answer those prayers. So, um, and basically, as you ask Jesus, you're talking to him. And that's what prayer is all about. Talking to Jesus, talking to the Father, rolling your cares upon him. Talking to him is how we become intimate with him. And that is what it's all about, the relationship that we have and is growing with our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's alive, and he wants to relate to us. He um, He wants us, just like he, he spoke to Adam. Adam and God spoke every day in the garden. They, um, that's what God has saved us for. He saved us for a whole bunch of things, but one of them is for fellowship. Not that he needs it, but he loves us, and he wants it. But we need it. And so look at prayer as talking to God. It says in Scripture that we're supposed to pray without ceasing. Well, that's impossible if you just consider prayer as your quiet time in the morning or in the evening, um, more formal times with him where you're sitting alone with him and you're praying, yeah, that's, that's wonderful, and that is part of prayer. But the praying without ceasing is talking to him nonstop throughout the day, making sure that that which you're thinking um, and is burdening you, just an example, it's, you have a burden that you're carrying, whether it's a burden for your child or for a loved one in some way, or a worry that's weighing you down. He, he says, come to me. He wants you to cast those cares upon him because he cares for you. And the only way that gets done is if you talk to him. It's not enough. As a matter of fact, haven't you found that if you're worrying about something, it'll keep swirling and swirling and swirling. But if you stop it, and say, Father, this is what's going on. My heart's heavy about this. I don't understand it. Would you give to me understanding? Would you give to me what I need to be able to to walk through whatever this is that's before you? And he answers that, because this is where the relationship is built. So talk to him, girls. Keep talking to him. Cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you, as it says in 1 Peter 5, 7. And it also says, he will be very gracious to you at the voice of your cry. When 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 he shall hear it, he will answer you. This is in Isaiah 30, 19. And it made me think of two things. Um, I grew up in a really dysfunctional family, and and it's not an exaggeration. It was pretty dysfunctional. Probably most of you did, too. (laughs) Um, But my mom, as many problems as she had, she loved us very much. And uh, I always remember this. I, I used to have a lot of nightmares, and I would wake up in the middle of the night screaming. There was a time that when my cry came out that my mother didn't come to my bedside and comfort me. And, um, and that's how God is. When he hears your voice, your cry, it does not go to deaf ears. His ears are towards you, and he runs to you. And he answers sometimes in ways that we don't understand. But when we look back, we say, wow, that was God, and he did answer. <clears throat> and I, um, when I used to teach Sunday school, I used to look at the kids and say, nobody has a voice like yours. 
Nobody in the whole world. And Jesus made that voice, and he loves to hear it. And to give that to little kids, these were little first graders, um, is like, that's it. He wants to hear your voice, whether you're, I'm not going to say whether you're in first grade, because hopefully you're not in first grade, but if you're a first grader or you're how old like me, he loves to hear our voice, and he comes to it. Uh, if you'll notice, nobody but people have voices. I mean, uh, I, Mary Jean and I have four dogs. They have, we sort of think they have voices, they, but they bark, and, and we really don't know what they're saying except annoying the neighborhood. But we can say what God, to God, what is in our heart. And, uh, that, and we can cry out to him, and he does come. So then the next one, number three, keep yourself in the love of God. Okay, I have time for this. This is a little weird. Um, I hope you don't think I'm weird, but there was this song back in, in the 70s when I was a beginning believer, and maybe some people still sing it. We especially used to sing it with children in Sunday school. And um, it's a visual. It's a visual I want you to have concerning keeping yourself in the love of God. <clears throat> and this is how it goes. I'm my beloved's and he is mine. His banner over me is love. I'm my beloved's and he is mine. His banner over me is love. I'm my beloved and he is mine. His banner over me is love. His banner over me is love. Okay, so now you know why Rob and Heidi are not running after me to join the worship team. <laughs> but um, the song, I, I want you to remember it. Maybe you'll remember it because I can't sing. But this is exactly what it is. His banner over me is love. His banner over you is love. When we get saved, we come into this covenant with him. And it's like a protective banner that sheds over us. And that's where we want to dwell. And that's where Jude is telling us to dwell. Because this is the heart of God for his children. It is also the place of greatest security and protection under his love. Jesus' heart is not to have us just soak in this great love that he has for us when he brought us into his kingdom. But like with everything else that God does, it is meant to be given out to those around us. So he loves on us. He brings us into this protective covering and teaches us what real love is. And then he fills us by the power of the Holy Spirit for a purpose that we may go and love one another. Be kind-hearted, tender-hearted one to another. Choosing to believe the best of one another instead of becoming offended easily. We are his and his kingdom is made of this love. There is no love like the love of God. It is more powerful and more wonderful. These are not even words that even touch on what the love of our God is all about. And for those of us that are believers, that's where we are. And we want to stay there. That doesn't mean that you're losing your salvation if you come out from under this. 
Uh, by no means, because you're his daughters and he doesn't throw his daughters away. But we don't want to take ourselves out of the way of love, the way of the kingdom, by um, developing offenses that grow into bitterness, and soon we find ourselves over here, and we feel distant from God. And, um, and we really don't like other people. It just doesn't stay with one person that we might be bitter to. It grows. And when we find out, I don't want to live over there. I don't want to live in that bitter place separated so I don't sense the presence of God. I want to get under that banner. So be quick to, um, or ask God, I guess, to make you aware of when you're drifting off, when you're um, going in, in your mind to places that will not give you the peace of God. Because that's a, the love of God, there's peace here. Because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So when we start missing some of that stuff, somehow or another we've drifted. No condemnation, girls, because condemnation is not of God. It's of the enemy, and it will try to keep you out there. But conviction is of the Holy Spirit. So when you're found out, when you find out what you're doing up here, and it's usually up here, and it's what you're thinking concerning another person or whatever, be quick to say, God, i got to tell you about this. I have to talk to you about this, and I need to be set free from it. I need to be set free from this worry that I can't come out from under or this fear. I want you, Lord, to come in and change me. And that's what our walk is all about, that we may be changed into the image of God, of Jesus Christ. So... That's the love. Um, as a matter of fact, and I have a few minutes to just share this, uh, I remember, this is quite a few years ago, well, not quite a few, maybe a lot of years, but not quite a few, um, I realized, and I would hear other people say about how much they loved God, and I would read how much we're supposed to love God, and I, I, I love God, but I felt like, I don't, think I love him as much as so-and-so is talking about and or what I'm reading in this book. Um, and then I would try to love him more. And it's like, we can change a lot of our actions. Some of them we can't even change. But when it comes to the heart, the, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. That's how our heart gets changed, is by the work of the Holy Spirit. And it gets changed when we talk to him about it. And so... I had to admit, I really don't have the love that I should have for God. But then I felt foolish. Also, what do you, who, who has love that you can get? And it's like, God. God's the one that has all the love. So then I prayed that I would love, that God would give me his love to love him more. And it sounded contradictory, like it was something I was supposed to be able to do, and what's wrong with you, Jill, that you can't do this? But I realized that I can't even love without the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, and that includes loving God. And so I asked him for it, 
And I asked him, and I continued to ask him, and it it's changed my life. I really, little by little by little, you pray these kinds of prayers, God answers. He doesn't always answer like right away and all at once, but he does answer. And so I have found myself as I grow older <clears throat> falling more and more in love with him. So ask him for it. Ask him. He's the author of love. And then ask him for love for your brothers and sisters. Because uh, that's another whole thing. That he has love for them. And then there's then study scripture about how that gets walked out. Hide it in your heart. Choose to walk it out and ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you with the unction to be able to do that. And then we're walking in this kingdom, this kingdom that's so different from any other kingdom, different from the world. So, okay, um, so we talked about keeping ourselves in the love of God. We talked about praying in the spirit. And we talked about building yourself up in the most holy faith by the word of God. And the last one is looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Um, we are doing a lot of that, taking our eyes just with all the songs and everything that was shared about the books. Everything about tonight and about this study has been about the hope that we have. This is not all there is. This is not all there is. It's imperative that we have a hope and a future or we become overwhelmed and crushed as we walk through the hardship, hurts, and trials of life. And my, do we have a glorious hope for what God has in store for us. And he does. And there's so much. I mean, we're studying the book of Revelation, and there's a lot of things leading up to it, but it is incredible what God has in store for us. And he's going to set everything right. We know it's not right. We know it's out of order. It's not. It's cruel. It's nothing of what we long for. The things would be set right. And one day they will be. And where we will live as we have talked about heaven and we will continue to next week, is where um, God has for us, and that's the hope. Um, this sort of bounces back to that crazy little song I was singing, uh, but I'll give you a little background too. I, um, when I was a beginning believer, probably one of the uh, first two years, we had a house of girls in Germantown. And um, we were all brand new believers. And yes, so it was decorated with whatever anybody gave us, basically. We had some really good antiques because somebody's grandmother died and we got a lot of their stuff. But it was, it was, a, um, it was a Jesus people place. <laughs> but it was all girls. And um, we, somebody, I don't know which one of us had bought, got this picture, we bought this picture. And it was this picture of the most magnificently, beautifully set table. And it was this long banquet table. 
And in the middle was this magnificent candelabra, and it was just beautiful. And we had it up on the wall over the couch, and we all loved it. And it used to be such a source of um, just the dreams that we had, because we knew when, and as we've kept it through our life, I still am friends with some of these women that I lived with, um, that it was something so special because it spoke of where we were going one day. And what it was a picture of was the table for the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is talked about in, um, in Revelations 19. And the marriage supper of the Lamb, generally it's thought that it will happen right after the rapture when we're taken up into heaven. And this banqueting table that is set for us and for our king, our betrothed, our love, Jesus. And we sit at that table, and I often, we would think about, gee, I wonder if we'll sit next to one another, and will I know you over there? And it just was such a source of excitement. And the song happened to be that, that we also knew back then, that I'm my beloved and he is mine. Well, the other verse is, is he brought me up to his banqueting table. His banner over me is love. And this is what it is, this banqueting table. And along with this banqueting table, it had an invitation. I'm going to read to you the invitation. It said, just like, um, you know, like if you're getting married, you send out an invitation to inviting people to your wedding. Well, this is what this was that was on the right above where the, the table was. The invitation, you are invited to come to dine with me from now through eternity. Believe on me, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. And dine with me, Jesus, as your host, to live in heaven eternally, forever and ever and ever and ever. All you must do is RSVP. Respond. Now, probably most of you have already done that in this room where you have responded to the call of the love of Jesus Christ and asked him into your life. But maybe there's somebody that hasn't, and you've been listening to us talk about this God of love and how he has for us an eternity that is filled with wonder upon wonder upon wonder, beauty upon beauty upon beauty. And he invites us to come and be part of that. And all it takes is an RSVP, you responding to his love. The alternative is not good. If you don't respond to this love and this care of this one that is so worthy to receive all honor and glory because he is God. If you don't, you're choosing something else. You're choosing to go out from under love and away from love. Instead, you can choose to be at that banqueting table, at that beautiful table and have a seat. So for those of you, and this is very private between you and God that you've been hearing a lot about. The invitation is for you. So if you would, I'd like to lead you in an RSVP 
prayer. So why don't we all just bow our heads? And for those of you that want to um, ask Jesus into your heart, just say this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I heard about your love, and I heard about your kingdom. I want to come in. Please forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for not following after you. And please cleanse me. Thank you for dying for me instead of me having to die for my sins. I heard that you die for my sins. So Jesus, I'm RSVPing. I want to be your daughter, and I want to sit at that table. So come into my life and be my God and make me your daughter. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So if you did pray that prayer, um, come talk to one of us over here and let us know we have a Bible for you. And for anybody else that has a need of prayer, um, for whatever it is, that's what we are over there. That's the little prayer team and, um, and others. So thank you so much for listening to me. Um, Jesus loves you. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. God bless you all.